listeners, I really want to share this with them. It's like, you know, when you do something uh, that you don't enjoy uh, and when you're numbing one aspect of your life, the way that numbing works is it works across the board. You can't just selectively numb one thing out of your life. So if you have been numbing, like there's a certain relationship that's taking energy from you and you're just numbing that or you're just completely numb when you're at work and you're just not even, you know, you're just feeling you numb yourself out the whole time, that you can't selectively numb. It's everywhere in your life. Assalamu alaikum. Hello. This is Your Truth is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Nadira Razak. I am a wife, a mother, a seeker, and a life and business coach. This podcast is about tuning in to that small, quiet voice within that urges you to really follow your soul's calling. And this podcast aims to bring you solo episodes and interviews with other special humans who have followed this calling, no matter how out of the box it may have been. We'll share stories about how God's grace is working through their lives and how they have the courage to really put one foot in front of the other and build a life that is fulfilling, meaningful, and filled with a sense of play and wonder. I started this podcast because I was at a point in my life where I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve as a coach, yet something still felt missing. I knew I wanted to feel utterly and truly alive and connected to other beautiful human beings. This podcast helps you navigate this quest where you feel like you've arrived and now there's a whisper that this isn't it. There's chaos again and you have to start over. So this is about new beginnings pivots and finding those breadcrumbs of delight and surprise along life's journey. And I hope that you will tune in, whether it's on your walk, on your drives, going to the gym, however it is that you listen to this podcast, I hope it sparks something in you so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. Welcome everybody to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. I am so excited to be joined by Zulfia Tufa today. I'm going to formally introduce you to her. We are at the beginning of spring. I made sure that I got some spring colors on because Zulfia is a stylist as well. And, <laughs> and I was I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be having an interview with a stylist. I better get my jam on. <laughs> so I'm going to formally introduce her and then we're going to get straight into it. Zulfia is an Australian Muslim woman of Turkish and African heritage who uses her social presence to share her creative journey of roller skating, skateboarding, sewing, and art. She started roller skating to pass time during COVID lockdowns, and this quickly transitioned from a hobby into a lifestyle as she attracted collaborations with international brands like Pepsi, TikTok, Spotify, and Meta. Prior to roller skating, Zulfia worked as a pharmacist in hospital and community pharmacy while pursuing a career in fashion. This led her to create to the creation of Mod Market, a platform for people to buy and sell modest fashion that was acknowledged internationally and featured as part of Melbourne Fashion Week. She currently works as a stylist for High Point Shopping Center. And contrary to popular belief, Zulfia does not spend all day roller skating. She's more likely to be found chasing after her vivacious young son. Welcome, Zulfia. I'm just so excited that we get to do this together. <laughs> I appreciate the warm welcome and the beautiful <laughs> smile. <laughs> I, you know, when I started the podcast and it was just an idea and the conception of it was coming together, the first person I actually thought of who I wanted to interview was you. And it was like, it's taken what up to probably, I've probably done like nine interviews so far. And I was like, Sophia has to be part of that beginning stage because whenever I think of you as a person, a soul, one thing that really fascinates me about you is that you have been someone, subhanAllah, that has been able to tap into what's alive in them and then actually bring that out in terms of creativity or whether it's like an actual business thing or getting the community together around an idea. And I thought today I just wanted us to be able to explore some of these ideas that you have brought to life, especially the one that I initially um, kind of got to witness you in in a big way was mod market because I remember seeing this little 
volunteer call out going out on social media. And I wasn't even that much into social media, but something about the ad or whatever you said on the post really drew me in. And I had little ones at the time and I was hardly wow. working. Like I was doing my business stuff, but it was more, more being mum than, you know, creative business person. And I found that just volunteering at that event, just, I don't know, it lit me up so much. And I think especially because you did it for our community, like the Muslim community, people of color and all of that. And I just appreciated it so much. I was like, what is Lafia's secret sauce? Like, how does this woman (laughs) have an idea and bring it to life in such a big way? Could we just start with maybe some of your the creative process that goes on behind the scenes and the things that we can't see when you're scheming and something's forming inside and I feel like you're either having conversations with your sisters in the bathroom or at a picnic somewhere at a park and something's happening and then she just brings it out could we could we maybe look at it a little bit behind the curtain of how you do that Sophia stuff that maybe people wouldn't find as an article about you. So we just have to do it on the podcast. <laughs> well, firstly, I really appreciate that. Like, it's very kind of you to acknowledge that. Um, okay. So you want the secret sauce? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told anyone. <laughs> um, Whatever you can share. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I t- I'm happy to be an open book. Um, and I try to be as authentic as I can and just, you know, share openly. So, in terms of, so you want to know kind of what, how the idea comes to life? Yeah, especially when it was so when it was mod market. I know that you had this creative side to you because you were what was it? Was you, you were the hijab stylist? I remember on YouTube. And when I was deciding to wear the hijab later in life, I was following you. I remember my first interaction with you was paying fifty bucks, coming to an in person workshop that you did at Benevolence Australia. <laughs> And yeah. I I remember squeamishly saying to you, oh, my God, like I have left this little hijab cap behind. I didn't know we could take it home, but you you just shared so much and you had this beautiful, well, it, it was I think it was like a floral blazer or a floral skirt or something. You just rocked oh it God. and you just yeah. shared with us. That was like years ago, right? And then a couple of years after that, I think was when I probably came across Mod Market and I was like, how does this woman do this? Like bring something in such a big way and then get the whole community to like roll up their sleeves and get equally invested in the idea. I just feel like you have such a beautiful gift <laughs> of getting oh us feeling like this is our project and this is our baby too. And that's incredible. I just feel like it's so rare and you do it incredibly well. SubhanAllah. Look, honestly, I'm just thinking about it. Um, so with Mod Market in particular, what you're referring to, I think it was like it was a fashion platform for women of color, like you mentioned, and Muslim women, people who dress modestly. And I think we are all people who identify with the struggle of not having enough options for uh, us out there mm-hmm. and not having enough representation in fashion. And so I think that that's a pain point for so many people and it's such a sensitive pain point too it's like something where we we struggle with that or previously in the past we would struggle with that I feel like there's a lot more options these days and I think that I was struggling with it and so me sharing okay so this is something that I want to do to make it easier for us and then I feel like because people resonated with that authentically and they were like okay well I'm experiencing the same thing um and I feel like that was probably why it's because it was something that was relevant to people and Mm. people genuinely cared about in that in their life that's the first thing but then the second reason I think people gathered around and supported the idea like you said like volunteering and that that event was entirely run like we had a small paid team and it wasn't even paid that much it was like whatever was coming in I was sharing that with everyone um but we had like I think we had like 30 or 50 volunteers, like the whole team was 50. We had heaps of volunteers. Yeah. And I feel like one of the biggest reasons we had the volunteers is because if you look at our community, there are not many events for people to come to that are not specifically religious. Mm-hmm. So we have Islamic talks, we have lectures, but we don't have social events or social places right. where we can go to in Melbourne at least. And so like what, 
like I, I know I feel like again more recently I do see groups that go hiking and these kind of things which is cool but our community is only new in uh, Melbourne obviously Islamic history dates back ages ago but in terms of like having young Muslim women doing events like I feel like that's something where more recently that space has been starting to grow but with Mod Market that was like for years ago and and honestly at the time I couldn't think of anywhere that wasn't specifically religious that Muslim people could come and share something that wasn't religious like because it was fashion I mean sure the modesty is like from faith but it wasn't specifically about religion and I think that as Muslims we need spaces like that where it's not it's it's a place where Muslims are very welcome and it's for them but it's not a religious event if that makes sense yeah because I just remember (laughs) I didn't even realize I think how how much that event did for me as a Muslim woman until I was actually there and got to see other people who look like me or the fact that I was represented. And even down to the detail of, you know, the bathrooms having like a watering can. I was like, they have thought about every single detail. And I remember going there early morning um, for setup and the, even how you empowered like the volunteers, you're like, well, this is your role. Think about everything that you would need for that role. So I remember having like a little, you know, pack with my scissors and tape and everything because we were doing the the pop-up um, stalls. But it's just that, yeah, I, I love that you said that it's relevant, but also you saw that it wasn't just like that. Yeah, there was a gap. And mm. you are amazing at finding these gaps that are just really natural but doing it in a way where we want to come and there's this desire energy behind it. And I feel like you did that really well. I remember, you know, you came with like the stack of flyers and you just said, guys, you're going to have to take as many as you can. And this, every single person who hasn't heard of it, you need to like, you know, hand it over. And so you you get behind the idea because it's like, okay, sink or swim. We've got to do this. We've got a date. We've got to make sure we've got foot traffic for the people who you know have stalls and everything so there's I feel like when you do something you also do it where like you've got to show up like there's no oh we're doing this and then going and hiding like you bring it yeah. that's true <laughs> I mean like corral everybody the, the thing is like with the volunteers um I feel like the mod market wouldn't have been the event without them honestly yeah. they're the ones that held it together and actually made it come to fruition so I, I'm always really grateful for that but the other thing is I actually remembered now is like volunteering is something that is personal to me and I feel like I've I basically have been volunteering at like Islamic organizations from when I was like when I started which was like 12 That's just doing small things until like when I was about 26 and it ended up like running activities and organizing events and things like Mm. that through that and actually that's where I got a lot of my experience of running events and one thing I remember about volunteering is like whenever we would volunteer they would tell us they would say like volunteering is something where you are giving you're giving from yourself but you are receiving as well so it's a two-way street and I think that's what because that's what I see volunteering is it's like sure that um, you're giving your time for free, but you're getting something in return. Sometimes you're- way more than what you're giving. Just the feels, the feel-good vibes and the fact that it just, I don't know, like it, it'll, it, it lasts, I feel like, days and weeks and months after the event, you know, especially when you do big events or social gatherings like that because the connections you make, just the, the yeah. fact that, you know, it's like, like taking a supplement versus volunteering. <laughs> Like, I feel like you could, you know, get those endorphins going just from finding the right crowd that fits with your vibe, where you feel welcome and there's no funky energy. Like all the the events where I felt like, you know, locally that I've got a gut response to like, I have to be here. It always works out amazingly well in that sense, you know. So, Zofia, like, tell me a little bit about the role that your sisters have played, like bi- biological, like sisters, yeah. you know, first, and then maybe we could go around to like the circle of friends. Yeah. But I really feel like there's you. I feel like you're like this, you know, star person who like gets the idea or get an impetus for an idea. And mm-hmm. then I feel like you're also someone who does ask for counsel and you have that mature, I almost feel like, your older sister is there in a big way, you know, advising you or telling you, have you thought about this or whatever? Could you talk about 
how you approach that, that, that whole, like that Islamic thing of like going and seeking counsel. But I feel like you naturally do that. And then you come up with something way better than even something that you just thought of. Could you that's share? So funny. That's so funny that you called you called it like um, seeking counsel, and I think the Arabic word for it is shura. Yes, shura. And the, my sister's uh, got an organization that's called, called shura. shura. <laughs> I know shura psychology, right? Oh, my shura from Tolsona. <laughs> so, okay, so I've got a, a two older sisters and a younger sister, and um, both of them. Uh, my, the one of my elder sisters is overseas, so the con- communication day today is limited. But uh, so my older sister, and my younger sister, are very supportive of everything I do, and I think that growing up with siblings, especially like female siblings, we would we would um, you know just like be friends with each other, I guess. Yeah. So that friendship from childhood, I guess, has matured into like advisory roles for each other, and like I go to different siblings for different things. Um, but I definitely do get advice from my siblings, and when I when I do want to do something or think of something, uh, I definitely run it by uh, run it by them. Especially like my older sister, because we lived together. We lived together for a while. Then we also lived like in the same suburb for years. Yeah. Uh, I think that what what ends up happening, and we went through a lot of life stages to grow together, like had children at the same time, and all this. Mm-hmm. So it, what happens? It's a lot of back and forth. I find that I'm that for her, and she's that for me. Mm. Um, and I really love that and I'm definitely uh feel like I'm very blessed to have that I know not everybody has that yeah um, but yeah I definitely feel like that is a really big source of um kind support. of like comfort and support that I have in my life yeah yeah and and that's what I feel like because like I grew up you know in the Sri Lankan Muslim community back home and I came to Australia when I was like 18 and I think what I admired about your setup was it's like Zulfia plays on the edges. I feel like you really push boundaries and like, you know, it, I, I always wonder, I wonder if she gets any pushback from our own community, right? Like with either with the skating or whatever, it's like being, you know, seen in a big way and coming from a community that sometimes, you know, it depends on culturally like, what was um, said to you when you were little or whatever. But what I admire about you is that you keep that Muslim identity, but just play on on the edge of, you know, what's what's allowed and what's permissible. And you're doing that now, subhanAllah, with halfway there. So could you talk to us about even the idea for that, right? So we did fashion and now it's like you found another new problem to solve, right? Where I have talked just countless um, even like sisters looking for a match for their sister and they go you know when I was around my parents you know found someone for me but they're not as into it for my little sister and do you know of anybody you know so I always feel like either the parents have kind of got like leaned back a bit and they, they're thinking that people will just go ahead and find their partners yeah. and then you come along with this you know Muslim networking event for singles and did that kind of come about the same way where you're going, this is not just my problem. There's other women who are coming to me with the same problem. Let's see if we can solve this. Can you tell us more about that, this yeah. new venture? Yeah, that's that's basically, that's exactly what happened. It's as if you were right there with us. So, <laughs> um, so I became single in 2020. And then I, because before then I was married for over a, a decade. And so... Right this idea of people meeting people was not even was on my periphery. I was more like yeah. in motherhood and in all the other stuff. Um, and then when I became single and then I was just kind of like considering the idea of entering a relationship and then thinking, okay, so how would I do it? What options are there? Um, and then you look around at the options and you see there is um, dating apps. Mm-hmm. There is maybe uh, going to the mosque and asking the imam. There is going through your family and their networks. There's all of these things, but it's um it doesn't there's not much like organic meeting of people that can happen, especially if you're looking to meet somebody who's a Muslim. Yeah. Because if, if it's not if prerequisite for you is not a Muslim, then that's fine. You can just meet people at, at the gym or at the shopping center, right? Yeah. Muslim woman, when if you've decided that you want to be with somebody who is Muslim, then it's your chances of meeting someone is very limited. Uh, because you have your own community, but then outside of that, it's, yeah, like that's very limited to meet those people. So the intention of Halfway There, um, what, it, what it is basically is bringing together Muslim singles in a space that is respectful, safe, 
public and open where we have group activities and people meeting each other in ways that it's very much similar to like in a work setting, how you would interact with males. It's like, it's very much like that. Whereas everybody who attends is single and knows that everyone wants to be in a a serious relationship. So we cancelled out those things of people who aren't serious, people, you know, so like the men and women who've come have paid for a ticket, they've taken their time out to come. And so, so yeah, I feel like people, it's funny that you say like I play on the edges and things like that. It's not intentional. It's really (laughs) not. Honestly, just like my life and what I experience and it just so happens to be there. And I think like um, I'm always really conscious of not, claiming especially when I, when I did the hijab stylist that was different because that was a Muslim word and Islamic word mm. but then after I did that and I put that aside like I made the intention never to um never to really put my Muslim identity publicly as a as like the first thing about me because I feel like when you do that obviously my my faith is the most important thing to me mm. but publicly I don't want to start with that because what I feel like is all of a sudden you're put on this like um spotlight like everyone's and it's like expecting things from you or yeah and I so I feel like you have to be like a perfect Muslim we have like you have to be Mm. yeah like you're held on a really high pedestal and there's expectations placed on you and I'm a human at the end of the day and so I feel like because I don't want to have to deal with that I feel like I'm just going to live my everyday experience of being a Muslim person and this is something that I've experienced so starting halfway there you know I started it with with Samaya Asfat we do it together so it's very much like, you know, um, we, yeah, it's very much like just started from an issue that we had. It's not like we want to do this as Muslims for the Muslim community. Yes. It's just like me and Samaya are it's like. an organic problem <laughs> that needed. So it's funny because my sister, my sister knew that I wanted to do something in this area and she also knew that Samaya wanted to do something. Oh, so she, she put you together. Yeah, she's like, hey, Zufia and you should get together and do this. And then me and Samaya met up and then that's it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it happened quite organically. Yeah. Like there was a obviously some seed in both of your hearts and then yeah. you just collaborated on this. It was just a natural thing to come together and, and do it together. And so- She's best friends with my sister and so it kind of just, yeah, it really just worked pretty organically. Oh, wow. I love that. And even when I remember um, meeting your mum when you had like, you had like a thank you for the volunteers after Mod Markets and just the amount of, I felt like there was so much love coming from your mum's end. Like she had, she brought this beautiful pot of rice with, I don't know, it had like, um, like a bit of pasta through it or something. I tried to recreate it. It was so young. And she said, thank you for helping my daughter, you know, Zofia with this project. And like she made a dua and everything. And I just, I just feel like the kind of spaces that you inhabit and that you create for one, there's a lot of intention and prayer in it, but there's also that, yeah, that strong service line of like, okay, guys, like, yes, we're volunteering. But this is what's expected of you because if you don't show up, something somebody else is not going to get what they want. And it just, you know, there's like this domino effect if somebody doesn't show up on time or doesn't do their role. And there was almost not like a drill sergeant, but it's like, hey, everybody, just pull up your bootstraps. <laughs> you know, like I love, I love the leadership though because I really admire that. I remember coming in, I think I was like a few minutes late coming into something where we were to meet our leaders. Like, we, you know, you had got your friends. I think your, your positive primary school friends. I was under one of them, Iman, I think. Oh, yeah, and Iman. there was another friend of yours. And so they were like leading these little committees. And I just, I just walked in and I was at the back because I was too late. So I hadn't sat down yet. And I was just witnessing you just going up and down. And you sent me like a little way from, from, from the stage because you were addressing this whole big community of people, the models, the everybody who needed to be there. And I just had so much love for you in that moment. Cause I was like, damn, like this girl, like I'm honestly so, so happy that she had the courage to have an idea and put it out so we could be part of it. You know, it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works in these mysterious ways. It's like you think, oh, it's just an idea. But you have no idea how much that idea needed to be brought to life so that it kind of sparks something in all these other people who, for whatever reason, were drawn to the event. Whether it made somebody go, oh, Sophia's having this event and I can have a stall 
and maybe that person had to do whatever they had to do to like take, get all their stock together and, you know, get their business cards printed because they're like, right, I'm turning up to market with this, you know? So you have no idea like the ripple effects of just one person's that impetus and just you having the courage to bring it to life. And I feel like that's probably what I want our listeners to like really take from that because we sometimes think, oh, these little ideas, they're, they're just for me. Or you think you're being selfish in wanting to bring it out, but you have no idea how much it's impacting people, right? That's so true, Nadra. And I, I just want to say like, first of all, I just want to acknowledge all the work that you did do. And I feel like it's it's so special to me to hear this from you because I've never actually heard like in this the much. The volunteers telling you how much it no, meant to them? From some of them, I've heard what like their experiences, but not you personally. So I'm oh. actually, it feels so nice. And I'm oh, well. you. But yeah. um, in terms of the ripple effect, I, I definitely know that there is a ripple effect that I wouldn't know you, no one I have really no idea it. but there was one really special moment uh in the first mod market that we did it was the social media post we were putting out and and it was something and I don't know in particular what it was but there was a woman who had attended and she said I heard that benevolence was going to be at this event because benevolence was having a stall but she chose mod market the actual event to come and she was like I'm not a Muslim but I'm really interested in becoming a Muslim and then it was through her coming to mod market and then for to to meet benevolence and seeing like the Muslim community and just stepping into that that was her first experience and then she's actually a Muslim now and like I see her and for me that was probably the most special like yeah because it kind of made it like we're approachable and you can come and check us out in a situation that's not a religious setting like you said like it was just this idea of solving a problem and having yeah other people in the community rock up because they either wanted to do a clothes swap and do it street style or you know like when I joined it was when you had the 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 bigger uh, platform where we had the actual event venue you were saying you want your listeners to know that as well and I just feel like in anything that you do you don't even like even in not even the events were organized like mod market was a large event but even if it's just like the small daily decisions you make in your house or even the decisions like that you make as a leader wherever you are because everyone is the leader you know in your families in your direct family at work like it could be anywhere and I feel like that in itself is like um it's a big responsibility because there can be negative ripple effects that's why it's so important to be very mindful but then also the benefit is like if you do good things like that can have a huge ripple effect and you may never even know that so just never underestimating and trying to always bring excellence to everything that we do is so important yeah and tell us how you eventually decided because obviously in your bio we talked about how you actually you know did pharmacy at one point in your life and I actually remember reading the post that you had created when you were feeling like you wanted to let it go and do something else. And I, my brain almost made a snapshot of that time that you said that because I'm like, I so need to talk to Sophia about this because I wanted to showcase women, you know, making these pivots. And so do you remember what it was like inside when you were in that in-between phase where you couldn't let go of the pharmacy stuff yet? but you knew these other things you were doing had way more energy and way more life force. And could you maybe describe to us a little bit about that emotional terrain that you went through where you're like, you're not there yet and you've not quite let go of the old thing, but what were you feeling and thinking and maybe how that eventually landed you into getting across the pond into doing something that you really love more? Sure. So pharmacy was a decision that I'd made like in my early 20s. I mean, not early 20s, sorry, I'd made that decision when I was 17 to do that. And um, I put a lot of work to get into it. And um, so it wasn't something I took lightly. And it was something that I knew that my father was also really proud of me for becoming a pharmacist. And I felt like there were a few things that were weighing on my mind when it came to changing. So it was like, obviously, financially, what would happen um, my father was also on my mind and it was just like also pharmacies, I guess it's classified as a respectable mm. profession and it comes with a certain amount of respect or prestige. Whereas like if I quit that and I do something completely different, then uh, that do- doesn't require a uni degree and it doesn't require that. Like then I was just also contemplating like, 
that as well, like kind of giving that up. And um, yeah, so they were probably the main concerns on my mind. And so I, I hadn't made the decision for a long time. And, but the thing is, I knew I didn't really like it, but I just kept doing it. And then uh, what happened is the trigger for me that allowed me to really step away from it and make that decision was when I had, like, I feel like it was getting divorced for me. Mm. That, what that did to me, obviously it changed me in so many ways, but one of the ways it changed me is I realized that it's not worth doing things because you want to keep people around you happy Mm. and look like you have things going well (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so I was just you know just like I feel like that's what my divorce helped me realize because I just feel like the divorce happened at the perfect time it happened according to God's plan Mm. when it happened but then you also think and and you're like okay if I got divorced why was the reason why didn't I get divorced earlier Mm. because I wanted to make this work because it was so important for me that I didn't fail at this thing that this thing works right and are you talking about marriage when you say this thing works yep my marriage Mm. Um, the thing is and so but then staying in that because of uh I want to I want to look like I'm a good wife. I want to look like I'm a good person. Like I don't want to have a failed relationship. Mm. Like all of that kind of pressure and really worrying about what people were going to think of me, even though who is they? I don't even know yes. who they I, I love how we do that. We we make this, pers- we personify this thing called they and it has so much clout and so much energy over us and power over. Oh, when it's like, it? who is it really? Is it someone with glasses who's looking at you? <laughs> like staring yeah. at you and in your thoughts or you know it takes up so much bandwidth but it's it's like a it's almost like yeah like a it's like a gang of different personas I feel like we put in there and it can really hold you hostage if you're not I, that's what I felt I felt but I didn't realize it because I was living a life where like everything on the outside was looking good like I was I had a good career I had a good family you know like family life because I actually did have a pretty peaceful family life but in terms of like real contentment and happiness like you know it wasn't there in terms of that anyway so basically getting divorced uh, was something that I felt like happened to me it wasn't something that I feel like I that was like a clear decision I made. So feeling like, wow, this thing happened to me. It was completely out of my hands. Then thinking, I can't do anything about this. Like I just have to accept that this is the situation. And I feel like that the grueling, like with that, that in itself, I could talk about forever, but mm. getting through that and surviving that showed me that life is not worth wasting doing things that you're not fully committed to and that you're not fully interested in and also that's coming from a place of privilege because not everybody has the opportunity to but I'm not talking about those people who don't have an opportunity like for example if you can't because can't afford it or because of you know other external yeah that's understandable you have to do what you have to do but but if the reason why you can't is because you're worried about what other people are going to think like we're going to call you out on that yeah then that's when you need to say okay that's that's something that you are actually wasting your life doing things that you are only doing because you want to hold up a certain image, image. of yourself. Mm. And um, and I feel like everyone realizes that at their own time, they may even know it deep down, but it's when you're thrust into these painful situations of life, then sometimes you just, it gives you clarity and you see things differently. So for me, mm. getting divorced allowed me to see, I'm not going to waste more time in this career, building up this career that I actually are not not invested in well yeah I wouldn't say not interested because I was I found pharmacy interesting but it wasn't like it didn't light me up I didn't feel like oh what I really want to do yeah yeah and how did you find that place in you where you started because because I probably just came into your journey while you were already really comfortable being on social media and stuff was it something that you always had as a kid that part of you that was comfortable being like expressed online because that's also, it's not a very, um, I mean, nowadays you see more Muslim women being online and being influencers and things like that. But how did you, what was your foray into that? Again, like with hijab stylist, were you like, you know what? I want to get this message out because I feel like other women aren't confident and why not be confident? And so you had that drive 
or what kind of created that? Was it because I thought other women weren't confident though? I feel like it was because I suffered with ah, with so the pain so long. You yeah. identified with the pain of it. Yeah, I never do anything with the intention of other people are going to benefit from this because I feel like. I, I just well, I benefit from it and then I will do it and then if people benefit from it then that's always a, a benefit for me but it's yeah. never really like like even with mod market you know it's not like I, I want to do this to help people it was kind of like I want to do this to help myself and then I know that if I help myself I'm going to be helping other people and that's always an I extra love that I love um, that because that kind of takes the pressure off it's it's more um like the lens of focus is more close to you rather than it's out there it's about them I love yeah, that it distinction. Makes it, it makes it hard to continue things when you're like doing it for again, like yeah. Because someone- if you don't get the validation immediately or the approval, you'll stop, right? Yeah. So I feel like yeah. that gives you that staying power because mm-hmm. you keep that, oh, like yeah, that whole focus much closer to home. Yeah. So you're always checking in. I think. Look, going back, I I remember when I first started posting videos of myself online. I remember when I first started recording myself. I was just like, "Is that my voice? Oh, is that how I sound? That's weird." <laughs> like I just remember thinking my voice was weird because I'd never heard it before. I never recorded myself. Um, so yeah, it was it was like ten years ago. It was a really long time, yeah. and um, so I feel like I did have sort of. Um, those things holding me back it was kind of like I didn't feel that comfortable I I remember I just felt like it was a little bit awkward I just you know so it was very new to me but also the good thing about the camera is like this is what I find it's just you and the camera it's no one else (laughs) so that introverted part of you is like it's safe enough it's just you and this device and then on the other side of it people can consume it and have fun with it. I don't even think about what happens after that. I don't think about what happens after I post it. You're in the creative process of just creating the thing. Yeah. And the other thing thing is like, I find my personality in front of the camera is very different to when it's, I'm in the public setting. Yes. I would say like, I'm more introverted in a group setting than I am when it's just me and the camera, because when when I'm in a group setting, I'm always like listening to what other people have to say and and that's usually my primary thing. It wouldn't be like the main one speaking, right? Yes. That way I find I am introverted. But then when it's the camera and me, like there's no one else there. So it's just me. So then I'm just talking. And I feel like because I don't feel like anyone specifically watching me. I feel like I'm just talking to a friend. Yeah. One friend. Like that's how I feel. Yeah. And then um, because of that, I feel like you come across as like you're fine with it because and I think that's because it's so I just focus on like the actual thing I don't think about like what's going to happen when people see it what's going to happen when this person I, I, really, I think that, that's yeah. been freeing for you because we I guess from watching you I sense a sense of freedom and I feel <laughs> like you give permission for people to feel free I feel like that's one of the I guess vibes that you put out and and you get us to feel like What's going to make me feel free? Because Zulfia looks really free right now and it's beautiful to watch, mashallah. Like, I love it because I think it's such a gift for anyone feeling like they're either in, you know, doing too much of what they don't like or they're not letting themselves be free inside. It's all a construct, isn't it? Like, we just take on all of these, whatever, I don't know what it is, like just narratives or stories and then it piles up and then, after a while, like you look in the mirror and like, you know, like your eyes are really dull. They're, they've lost the, the, the shine that, you know, that sense of aliveness. And I feel like you actually, by you living the way you live and express, it kind of gives p- permission to what, and it doesn't mean it has to be anything to do with skating or the gym or any of that, the stuff that you're into, but it invites us and provokes us to go, what are you interested in? Like, what are your hobbies? It's not, not watching you, Zulfia. I think somebody said watching you is my hobby. <laughs> I, saw that and I, was, I cracked up when I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, this is vicariously living <laughs> through other people. Yeah. <laughs> so um, can I just add something to what you mm. was, oh, It's like I was I was listening to what you're saying and then I forgot it. But it was like, oh, oh it was about um, it was just about. Oh, it might come back to me, but if it comes, I just, it was about what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to add this for your listeners. I really want to share this with them. It's like 
you know, when you do something uh, that you don't enjoy uh, and it's like, again, not talking about things that you have to do, it's things like you, you, it's up to you whether you do this or not, but you continuously choose to do this thing that you know isn't fulfilling you or, you know, and just to uphold a certain reputation or a certain image, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, like, let's say you're doing that. You are doing that thing and to an extent you have to numb yourself to do yes. that. Uh, and so you numb yourself. And I remember once I got divorced, like I had came across this quote and it was so like deep for me when I heard it. And I just realized, like, I think I've been doing this in my life. And it was when you're numbing one aspect of your life, the way that numbing works is it works across the board. You can't just selectively numb one thing out of your life. So if you have been numbing, like there's a certain relationship that's taking energy from you and you're just numbing that, or you're just completely numb when you're at work and you're just not even, you know, you're just feeling you numb yourself out the whole time that you can't selectively numb. It's everywhere in your life. That's what's happening. You're doing that. And then, so it's like, once you take, your once you use your courage and actually start living a life that is authentic to what you want then you start realizing like what was I doing the whole time you know and it's like not actually truly experiencing life because you're numb and so that's just something that I feel like deep and I love how you actually share all the personal development that you do as well like if there's a book that you're reading that you're really digging like you share it you know on your socials And I find that like what I love about you is you take us on the journey with you. So it's not like you figured it all out, but you're like, hey, I'm doing this thing and this is what I'm noticing and you actually share it, you know. And Sophia, is that something like, did you like ever invest and learn business or marketing or any of those things? Or do you think that like these were just more natural to you that you just like knew how to put an idea out? Like, because I was always amazed by I think when we were doing mod market as well, somebody had an idea to share a particular product or something. And you were coming up with names, like really cool names for the product. And and I was like, where does this girl get it from? Like, it's this ideation, like coming up with ideas and refining them. I feel like you just have it. Is that something you studied formally or it was just something where you just pay attention, like a lot of attention to conversations? I think I'm just, I personally, I feel like everything is from God, right? Everything yes. is from that we have. So yeah. I feel like God has given me creativity. That's something that comes mm-hmm. to me. And I feel like that's probably where the, those things come from, from that just mm-hmm. creativity. Yeah. Um, and then I think also, honestly, I feel like being a woman just gives you so many skills <laughs> to be like a woman in this world, like that what's required of us. I feel like, um, you know, women have so many amazing skills and we have, we're so amazing if you think about it, but what we're often lacking is the confidence mm-hmm. uh, or the belief in ourselves that we are that. And I feel like um, that's always something that's so good to just really step into is like shedding those old stories and realizing that I have a lot to give. There is a lot within me to give, you know. So I just yeah. feel like, um, yeah, just acknowledging that in us. And is that something, that permission that you give yourself, do you actually go through inside going, hmm, I need to have a talk with myself. I'm feeling this thing. I want to do this thing, but I'm scared. Like, do you have like a come to Zofia moment to like where you have to corral yourself and go, okay, this is the reason I'm doing it. This is the actual intention. Do you have like moments with yourself like that before something comes out? into the public sphere before we get to see that, oh, Zofia's doing something new. I think I normally share things once I've dealt with it already. Mm. So I think I would have, like, processed what I'm doing, thought about it, and then come to it again. Yeah. I, I feel like whenever I'm, if I'm ever doubting myself or questioning myself, I always just come back to God. And for me, that's, like, the central thing in my life that I try mm. to always think about. But I'm just trying to think of, like, do you mean like if I'm struggling with something or no more, more the, the creative aspect, like say, for example, when this idea came with Samaya and you had to put it out, right. At some point you have to go, right, we're doing this. It is going to be public. People can buy tickets. We have to do the first (laughs) one, even though we've never done this before. What is it going to look like? You know, that sort of aspect is what I'm saying. Like where do you have to have like many, many chats with yourself before you can like get all that energy to go, right, we're doing this, that 
point of decision, you know? Or is it much more fun and free-flowing where you're not thinking too much? You're just going, we don't know, we'll see. Are you more like that? Yeah, definitely. I think it's more just like if it works, people need it. If it doesn't, then people don't need it. Then we won't do it again. Um, It's a lot of, it's it's, even the crazy thing is a lot of it is not considering too much because when you Mm. consider too much, when you try and cover. You won't take the first step. You won't take the first step. And so I feel like, honestly, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, and I think creativity is like that. If you think too much, you can stifle your creativity because then you're like, oh, but there's a constant roadblocks. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's definitely the latter. It's a lot more of a, just a creative process where it's like, oh, let's just try this and see how we go. Let's see how we go. Yeah, I think that, I feel that is really freeing and that gives people a lot of permission. So if you're listening, ladies, guys, if you're listening to this as well, like I'm sure that everybody has these creative impulses or, you know, ideas that come to you in the shower or while you're washing dishes or going for a walk and, 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 and the idea doesn't leave you. It's like incessant. It keeps coming back. Like, what if you did take the first step with it? And I think that's what I love how you're yeah. sharing this, Sophia. It's it's like a, it's like, yes, the, the problem that you're close to or a struggle that you're going through, that's very personal to you. But the, there comes a point where you have to be like really loose with it almost and like just open your hands up and just go, here you go. I made this. Would you like it? And, and just put it in front of people. And I feel like you do that really naturally. And then we get to reap the benefits, but it's because you let it go so we mm-hmm. could, you know, interact with the thing. What were you going to say, Zofia? I was just going to add, it's also doing Shura. Like I do a lot mm. of it's like talking to people and getting their ideas, but not like talking to everyone and everyone. It's just yes. like some a core people that you think like, oh, this is an idea I'm having. What do you think? Yeah. People because that you can I, trust. Yeah. You want to make sure that you are, um, you just want to get a second opinion on it. And you may not agree with them, but that's the decisions yours at the end. Yeah. At least you did that part of getting the counsel. Yeah, and then the leadership has to go, okay, well, regardless of whether I get four yeses or five yeses, uh, this I'm feeling it pretty strongly. So we're going this way. I think so. And so Smea and I did that within by ourselves, I reckon, and together. Like we did our own um, Shura with separate people. And then together we were also like, is this something we want to do? Look, these are the things in the community that could come up. A lot of people may not actually like the idea. Some people might say we need more of this. Like, But it was just, and then I think it came down to how we personally felt about it after all that consultation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Zulfia. Thank you so much for sharing so generously and just for going into like all of those places of like vulnerability and just, yeah, just your generosity of spirit to come here and go, here's what happens behind the scene before an idea comes out. And, you know, and I love to, I think to me as well, the sweetest moment was when you said, here's what happened when Mod Market happened the first time. And this girl who wasn't too comfortable coming to like, a religious organization like she just happened to come here this was like her first meeting of I other I didn't, she didn't feel comfortable going there but I just felt like it hadn't so happened yet like that she, she chose yeah. yeah 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 she just happened to choose this one so thank you so much for gifting us your time oh. in your time and may you get to enjoy the sun this is thank such you. a gorgeous day you guys in Melbourne it's like 22 degrees and we're having really good weather subhanallah no, and, I love yeah. your energy, mashallah. You're so bubbly and um, matching your outfit and the weather. Beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and bright. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time. And I hope, inshallah, that the work that you do has those ripple effects that you were talking about. I'm sure it does. Um, and, you know, like people may not even mention it to you directly, but then if you ever stop, or you had to take a break, that's when you'll hear from people and they'll say, what happened? I was enjoying that. <laughs> you know? It was so funny last week. I hadn't, because I had lost my voice and I was quite sick. And this was like wow. the first time I'm doing something in public. I was like, I hope I have my voice because I'm doing it, Sophia. I can't not have my voice. And um, so one of my friends, yeah, Nayab, she was like, where is the podcast? Because um, I'm meant to be listening to, to it on my commute and I didn't see anything on Instagram. I was like, it's there, it's there. I just hadn't put the thing on Instagram, but it's on I uploaded it. <laughs> and then you hear from people like, yeah, it's like, where is it? I am listening. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And there will be many ripple effects, inshallah. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. Keep it up. Thank and, you. Um, 
Yeah, and thank you for being so generous. I definitely feel like there were many times where you'd be extra generous with what you were saying about me, but I'll appreciate it and take it. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's what we get to appreciate, I guess. And, and, you know, like, I really love being able to just witness people. I think that's one of my favorite things to do. And sometimes, like, you don't hear it. So someone's got to say it out so you can receive it and go, that's from Allah. And we, we all have that in different facets. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Your Truth is Calling podcast. This podcast interview was an absolute dream for me because as I said earlier in the interview, Zulfia is someone I really wanted to interview when the conception phase of this podcast was coming together uh, and the show was coming together because I knew I wanted to bring you guests who had already made that transition. So you had plenty of role models to look up to for other people like who you know, people look at you from the outside thinking these are easy decisions to make, you know, leaving a, leaving behind a lucrative career, um, something that you actually studied really hard for, made a lot of sacrifices for, and then suddenly that thing in your life no longer holds energy for you. Yes, you might be still interested in that area, but maybe that's in your zone of excellence. You haven't really tapped into your zone of genius and it's actually draining your life force, right? And who are you actually doing it for? Is it because you want to look a certain way? Is it because of certain promises you made to certain people in your life that that was the path you were going on and you're still people pleasing? You know, these are the questions that you then need to get honest with yourself about and contemplate and ask yourself, why am I doing this? You know, and how was I even like living this way? especially when you're over the threshold and across the other side. But we all need to go through this. No one can do this for you. Yes, you can get help. And I certainly am that person for people who are in that transition point. I help them get honest with themselves. And I have that objective ear and objective eye to kind of tell them, well, look, this is what I'm hearing. You know, sometimes you need a sounding board. And if you don't have older sisters around you or cousins or relatives or colleagues who can be that for you, then going to someone who's a professional at this can certainly help you. But really what I want you to take away is you need to kind of do this off and on in your life. It's not just a one and done because again, once you make a pivot and a transition, there comes another time. Like once you've done that, maybe for three years, you'll be like, "Mm, I probably need to shift something again, you know, and these are conversations we need to keep having. And I hope that this episode really showed you that it it is possible. You can do this. I wish you all the best in your own journey of making pivots and transitions, especially if this, like what you're going through right now, isn't lighting you up. If this episode lit you up in some way or lit a fire under your belly, I would love you to share this episode with a friend or a colleague or a relative, someone you think who is probably in that same sort of boat with you, or just someone who you want to, yeah, to share the love with. (laughs) Thank you again for listening to the Your Truth is Calling podcast. Follow Zofia on the links in the show notes. If you want some professional help with making a transition, you can always reach out to me.